0: All right. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, we have a, a special treat. Jess already mentioned it. Uh, we're doing a series through this summer called Summer Stories, and it's an opportunity through this uh, through the next couple of months to hear from folks in our church to hear about their story, what God's brought them through, and what they've learned along the way. And it's going to give us an opportunity not to only to get to know them a little bit better as a group, but also we're going to learn and be encouraged from their story as well. And, and you may be facing the same situation some of the people in this series are facing, or maybe you have, or maybe not. But no, regardless, we're going to learn and be encouraged by one another as we go through the series. And it actually works out perfectly because they have a show happening here at the uh, theater this summer. I don't even know what the show is called, honestly, but uh, I haven't heard that yet. But uh, doing a show, and we've got uh, like a living room set that's going to be developing behind us. So it works out perfectly. Uh, that wasn't planned, it just happened that way. So Uh, But the way we're going to do this for the most part, and every week might be a little different depending on who's going to be sharing and what format we're going to use for that, but a lot of them are going to be like this where we just sit down and talk. And so uh, we are going to kick off this series with uh, elders from our church, all around wonderful people, Dennis and Laura Welch. All right, so let's just welcome them today. All right, so there there are probably people here that know you really, really well, and there may be some people that are meeting you for the first time. So we have, there's a lot of things that you could talk about. You guys have been through a lot, but we're going we're gonna to have one particular vein that we're going to focus on today um, that we're going to talk about. But why don't you start off by just sharing a little bit about yourselves with everyone in general so they can get, start to get to know you.
1: Okay. So I'm Dennis, and uh, this is my wife, Laura, and we've been married now 24 years, um, and we, I remember, um, we've kind of had a lot of uh, ups and downs throughout, throughout our life. And, uh, but it's been great. Um, God has brought us through a lot. And uh, I came to Christ when I was probably about 19 years old. Um, I, I know I made a profession of faith when I was about 13, but I really didn't follow it. So at 19, I kind of came back and, and really felt like God was calling me, first and foremost, to follow him and to listen to him and seek his will. And, and that's kind of led us down a lot of paths through that, through the years, but uh, it's been really good to kind of see what God has brought us through in that, but it's a little bit about me. Okay, do
2: you want to what you
1: do? Oh yeah, and currently, yes, thank you. I am currently a um, counselor. Mostly I work with couples trying to help save marriages. Uh, that's probably the forte of what I do with counseling, but I help people with a lot of different issues, um, but really try to point them back to the Lord in terms of uh, try to speak what the Bible teaches into their life and that kind of truth to help them grow and learn to Live their lives in the way that honors him that's my main goal when it comes to counseling
2: and i'm laura um, this is slightly terrifying <laughs> um, anyway i am um, i have known the lord all my life been in church all my life but um came to know him as a child i've pretty much walked with him you know ups and downs but um have always been um, always known the lord and um i am First and foremost, child of God and mama and um, homeschooling mama to um, our kiddos. And then part-time on the weekend, I am a nurse. Um, I spent about 20 years working in the neonatal intensive care unit in a few different hospitals. And the last three years, I've been labor and delivery nurse. And that has been really rewarding, too. I love, love it, love, love it.
0: All right. Um, thank you. And one of the things, well, the main thing that we're going to talk about today is your family. All right. Which neither of you mentioned in that, by the way, I'm just, just throwing that. I'm just kidding. Uh, but here's the thing. Here's the thing about your family. We have a picture of the Welches, uh, the, the whole group here that we're going to put up. All right. There they are. And, uh, one of the first things that folks notice about your family, and I know how important it is to you, is that your family's a little unconventional. All right. <laughs> it's a little unconventional. Um, so, I guess, question, we're going to start at the beginning. We're going to work through how God built your family. All right, that's what we're going to talk about today, how that happened. Um, and I guess the first question is, you know, you, you got married, you met, you got married. Was a family like this always your plan?
1: No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when, we, when we first met, actually, we became good friends in college. And um, I remember one day we were at the zoo. We just took a trip to the zoo. Uh, Laura and I and another friend, I Mm -hmm. believe, just the three of us kind of walking around the zoo. And I just remember there was a moment there where Laura saw this family with a bunch of kids. And she's like, oh, I just love that. That's so awesome. And I'm thinking, okay, well, how many kids do you want to have? And she's like, I want to have like five. And I remember thinking, okay, I want two or three maybe. And we both had the thought, okay, I'm not marrying this person. (laughs) Um, But that was kind of one of our first thoughts on Uh the size of our family. Mm -hmm. But uh, obviously, God had other plans.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, so you, you mentioned to me when we were talking earlier, and it was a lot easier sitting on your couch than it is this couch, I know. Um, but uh, you mentioned to me that from the very beginning, you, you always thought that adoption might be a part of your family plan, but you didn't know exactly what or how that, that would look like. like so, so talk with us a little bit about how, how did your family get started? What, what, what was the process?
2: Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, so we, uh, it took us a long time to um, become pregnant. Um, several, about five years of some infertility issues and a little bit of help along the way, and we were able to um, have Rebecca, and um, then after that, uh, I did have two miscarriages um, in the next few years. So, the first one was pretty early, but then the second one, um, I was into my second trimester, so starting to feel better and thought, oh, good, this is great, everything's good, and then fairly traumatically, um, miscarried that child as well. So, Um, That was kind of the beginning of our
0: story. And I I know that that is incredibly difficult. And I know we have people from our church that have dealt with miscarriages as well. Um, And I know that's a a difficult thing for you. But can can you talk uh, to everyone a little bit about um, during that time, what were you thinking? What were you feeling? How did your view of God change, grow, struggle? what, What did that do with your relationship with him?
1: Yeah. Um, I, I remember uh, the first miscarriage was, was hard, and obviously I wasn't the one carrying the child, so I believe a lot harder for Laura than me. And the second miscarriage, I think, was just even harder for us, especially in that moment, because I remember thinking and believing that God had reassured me in some way that she wasn't going to miscarry again. And so I just remember being very disappointed and and even a little bit angry at God at that moment, because in my mind I was like, you know, God, you told me that this wasn't going to happen, but... Um, as I reflected on that, um, and it didn't take me long to change my attitude and my mindset there, but as I reflected on it, I realized that I was the one that had sort of put God in a box and said, nope, you're, this is what you're going to do for me, and and um, I think God revealed to me that he had a bigger plan than even I could see at that point, so it was just a really an eye-opening point and also a growing point for me personally to realize that God had something else going on, and so that led us to the seeking adoption, and we did a domestic adoption, and yeah. and I think at that point, we just knew that God, that's what God wanted. I remember suggesting at the time, maybe I should mention this here, that uh, we should try foster care first, and um, I remember Laura was like, no, I don't think I want to build our family through foster care, because, you know, you have to... You know, if, if I get attached to the child and they go back. Yeah. And that's it's not the be, goal. Adoption is never the goal hard.
2: with foster yeah. care. And we knew we wanted to adopt. So, yeah, I think for me it was just a lot of grieving. And we took some months to kind of heal from that. And I just, I don't, my memories of that time are just listening to a lot of praise music and just trying to trust that the Lord had a bigger plan than I could ever imagine. And he sure did. So. Yeah.
0: So you, yeah. So you realized, you realized through that, that um, you were going to, your, the trajectory of your family was going to change, that mm-hmm. what you thought your plan was going to be was going, going to change. So you went through the adoption. Talk, talk to us a little bit about that process and how that worked.
1: Well, um, I remember at the time kind of a funny story that happened during that time. We uh, had told the adoption agency that we were open to multiples, um, that we, we were wanting to adopt at least one child, we didn't care what race. We were open to whatever race. And um, I just remember asking Rebecca at the time, who was about five years old. I said four. Yeah. Four. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, she's better with the ages and times <laughs> and stuff. Um, but I remember asking her. I said, so, "So, Rebecca, do you want a brother or a sister?" And she insisted. She said, "I want a brother and a sister." And we're like, "Oh, you're we so don't,
0: cute." Yeah, that's sweet. <laughs> we don't.
1: We don't know what we're going to adopt. So, yeah. do you want a brother or a sister? And she just insisted, "No, I want a brother and a sister." Mm-hmm. And We found out at the end of January there was a mom who saw our profile, and she was going to have twins, a boy and a girl, and she wanted us to raise them. And so it was just like, okay, Rebecca, you got your wish. You got a brother. (laughs)
2: Yeah, we met her when she was 34 weeks pregnant, and so we thought we had a few weeks. um, And then she actually delivered at 36 weeks, so we didn't have as long as we thought, and... Um, then, uh, yeah, the, the, yeah, I don't know how to tell this part, right, yeah, yeah, the, the day, (laughs) the week they were born, the day before, the, actually the day before they were born, um, I had been kind of having some of my typical pregnancy symptoms, but I was, I mean, you guys, like, in such denial, complete denial, I was like, well, we're adopting twins, so I'm not pregnant. Like, period. End of story. So it took a friend of mine, you know, kind of nudging me toward, yeah, I really think you should probably take a test. And I was um, very pregnant. I was like six weeks pregnant already. So, um, And then the twins were born, so, uh, you know... And when you miscarry, when you, a, a woman going through miscarriage um, and you do become pregnant again, it takes a long time, or at least it did for me, to believe that that child would actually live. I didn't, it was well, well, well into my second trimester before I really thought, okay, well, maybe, maybe he's going to live, or I didn't know it was a boy, but, you know, he's going to live. And um, so, you know, we proceeded, of course, with the adoption. We were so excited about them and brought them home. Yeah.
1: And and another thing that happened during that time is after we brought the twins home, um, we hadn't told Rebecca yet that her mama was pregnant. But um, Rebecca said again, she said, I want a baby to hold. And we're like, well, here, you can hold one of these. And she's like, well, no, I want another baby that I can hold. And we're like, what are you talking about?
2: Not even, y'all, we're not making this up. I'm
1: serious. (laughs) (laughs) And so, so she's like, well, you have a baby that you can hold, and Mama has a baby that she can hold, but I want a baby that I can hold. And we're mm-hmm. like, oh, my word. And, so, and sure enough, she got her wish again. And at that point, we decided we needed to duct tape her mouth for the rest of her life, because that's not going to be good if she keeps doing it. Which,
0: which, thankfully, which thankfully they didn't do, because she sings on our, our worship team. So that, that she, you didn't do that. Yeah. So you ended up with three infants yeah. In the same
2: year. Yeah, um, Isaac was born eight months and eight days after the twins, so they're, yeah.
0: Okay. that's a lot. Yeah, it was a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah. Anybody who's had one understands that that's a lot already. So um, so just talk about that time for a minute. What do you feel like, in particular, what do you feel like you learned about God or your relationship with them or what you, what you needed to rely
1: on during mm-hmm. that time? Why don't you talk about that? Yeah. Part? Well, um, I remember one of the things that, that I just thought is that how hard it was, um, but we had to be become a team during mm-hmm. that time period, I think more so than we had at any other point in our marriage. We took turns. Um, like, I would stay up late, and then Laura would take the second shift. I would bring whoever wasn't sleeping to her so that she could. And this was while she was still pregnant. I'm at least thinking mm-hmm. during that time before yeah. Isaac was born. And and so then we just took turns at that point. And, of course, we did later as well once Isaac came. But probably the hardest thing to me was I had, I had, I had to realize a lot that... Um, How selfish I was sometimes, because I think um, it's really hard whenever you, anytime you bring a child into the mix in a marriage, uh, especially for those of you who don't know yet, um, it's a challenge on your relationship as husband and wife because you you don't get as much time together. And I would just say that during that year, I definitely felt like we weren't getting any time together. So I just remember at least there were points where where God had to work on my selfishness and remind me, look, this is the purpose. This is something you agreed to. This commitment you made, and you know you just need to stick. Stick to it and stick with your wife in this and help her. And, you know, and I, I think it definitely taught me a lot about dying to self during that year. And, and God taught, grew me a lot during that yeah, time. I think,
2: I think we chose, I think we chose to, um, yeah. I don't know what happened. Um, I think we chose to uh, come together as a team uh, and like not let it draw us apart, but help it, um, let it bring us together. And then for me, I actually quit my job when the twins, um, I I took a maternity leave when the twins came home and then never went back for two years. So it was for me, it was a change of identity, a change of, you know, now I'm just fully a stay-at-home mom and um, with these three babies and at home all the time while you're going to work, so just learning to trust the Lord in that and just lean into it a little bit. Yeah.
0: Okay, um, and I know that was difficult, but it—I mean—you have three incredible children, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's great to see them grow and mature. And um, and coming through the chaos of that, you know, you really like. I, maybe I could speak for everybody in the room. Any any sort of sane person would be done yeah. at that point. Right? right? But you guys weren't
1: done. No. Right? No. Um, I, well, I thought we were done. I'll say that. <laughs> um, and then I, I remember, I seriously remember the day that Laura came to me and she's like, you know, and well, maybe you should preface it. But I remember you, co- she came to me and said, we should consider foster care. And I thought, no, we shouldn't. we've already done this, but I'll let you explain <laughs> yeah, your part
2: we you know we lived in what I like to call the weeds of little kids for several for five years at least five years, and then you know I was working in the neonatal intensive care and um was really seeing a lot of babies that were born addicted to different substances that their mamas had taken legally or illegally, and just the tough time that they had coming you know, like withdrawing off of those things and um So for probably about at least nine months to a year, God really kept putting foster care in front of me. And I don't know if you guys have ever had God put something in front of you like that. Uh, When God calls me to something, it takes a while. I'm a little stubborn. So um, he tends to just put it in front of me in different ways, just articles and podcast and you know different people that I would need and it, it's just like it just kept coming in front of me over and over and over and and I was like Lord I think you're telling me something here so and just really um initially got into foster care thinking I could I I know how to take care of these babies I know what they need I know what comforts them and soothes them and how from a medical standpoint to take care of them and you know maybe the Lord could use us that way um yeah
1: and so when she brought it to me I was like well I don't think so I don't think that's what God's calling me to, so. But uh, but then I, I was like, but rather than say no, I'll pray about it, and you know that was the end of the story, really. Once I committed to pray about it, and committed to hear the Lord on that, he changed my heart about it, too, and so we opened our door to start fostering, and um, obviously with four kids, the state of North Carolina, you can only have five in your home, so we could only take one child, Uh, so that seemed to limit us a little bit, and Laura really had this heart and passion to help babies, so again, that also limited, you know, at least we were told by, you know, that we wouldn't probably get children that quickly, although it turned out opposite of what We were told. Um, But we were able to bring home one little baby uh, who was just like Laura said, and um, I'll let you tell more of that story.
2: that's okay. Yeah. We... um Yes, we fostered her for about eight months, eight or nine months, um, while her mom was able to get the help she needed and kind of recover from some of the issues that caused her child to need to go into foster care in the first place. And we were able to see her family um, put back together, which is really cool. So we loved that. We loved being a part of seeing a family reunified. You know, God's plan for the family is always for for them to stay together, you know, so that's always the goal of foster care is to see a family healed, so I loved every bit of that, just being able to come alongside her, and we had a little journal that we passed back and forth. I would write in it and tell her about Alaysia's week, and she would write back to me, and it was really, really neat, so um, we're still in contact with them. We still have some we still get to see them from time to time, so that's really cool that she's allowed us to still be a part of their life. But um, then six weeks later, um, we got the call about um, who would become Abigail. So she was um, teeny tiny little two-day-old. We literally went and picked her up from the newborn nursery. It was a very bizarre day because in foster care, you don't get a lot of um, notice usually that you're getting children. So we had heard um, that we might be getting her the day before, but then the day of, we got a call about four hours ahead of time saying, hey, can you come get her at four? So we were like, okay, oh, sure. So um, yeah, it was a crazy day. But yeah, so we brought her home.
0: Yeah, and And That situation was very different than Mm -hmm. the previous situation, right?
2: Yes, we um, knew pretty quickly her birth mom um, had uh, had had a a fair amount of other children, I think, and a long history with the department, and um, it became pretty quickly evident that she was not probably going to be able to get custody back. Um, So we knew fairly quickly that this child was going to be moving toward adoption, and um, we were very much in love with her already, so we, uh, you know, she became our little, you know, princess. She's eight years younger than the others, so she's um, very much the princess at our house. She's
0: the princess. Yeah. And so you ultimately adopted Abigail we as
2: adopted well. We adopted Abigail, yes, mm-hmm. and so then that closed our home, unfortunately, um, so there's mm-hmm. sadness there, too, that we weren't able to help her family become reunified, but... Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so, as you mentioned, in, in North Carolina, if you foster or adopt, you can only have five children in your home. That's the that's the max of, you know, like my wife and I are, uh, uh, we're uh, licensed for foster care as well. We have three kids of our own, which means we have, we have two opportunities in our house, you know. Um, so, you have five, um,
1: except that uh, Rebecca just turned 18. I
2: know.
1: <laughs> right. Um, and we have decided... Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Mom and dad are a little too old for that now. I don't know. Uh, but but here's what we, I mean, we are we are not saying that if God changes our hearts and lead us to something, I mean, we might, who knows. But uh, at right. this point, we have decided that we're... <laughs> uh, we just, just put we've you on the got, spot.
2: Yeah, it's just fine. We've got kiddos that need a little more of our attention right now at right. their ages, That's so right. we're focusing on them.
0: Yep. Yeah. You mentioned, uh, you mentioned to me when we were talking the other day that the reality is that when you have three newborns all in the same year, it means you also have three teenagers all at the same time, <laughs> which right. also
1: require a lot of energy and attention. It's just a different kind. And all three are headed to high school this year, so we would really appreciate your prayers if you don't mind. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So that's fantastic. Well, what I would love to do, and I know there's so many other parts of your story that we could share and talk about, but, um, seeing the way that God built your families is is a beautiful thing. And so, um, what I want to do is take just a few minutes to, to, um, share some of the big lessons that you've learned about God, about your relationship with him, about family, um, that I think all of us can learn from no matter what our situation may be. Um, And so one of the things that that in our discussions really stood out to me, and I've said this multiple times, and you've said it multiple times today too as well, is that you feel like God called you to this. But you also said that at the beginning of your relationship, you didn't expect your family to turn out like this. So can you talk to us a little bit about what that process of God calling you looks like? Because I know all of us in the room, we walk through our lives and— sometimes it can be a struggle to understand when God's calling you to something, what that is, what does he want from me? And there may be multiple ways that he does that, but if you can talk just a little bit about how you feel like he called you to it, um, then it may help us all get some more clarity when he calls us to something.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I think a lot of times God puts an opportunity in front of us that we may not expect. And I was just, I, I was thought about this too. And, um, when When we were adopting the twins um, right after those two miscarriages, you know i don 't know how many of you know how long the adoption process takes, but adoption processes usually take a long, long time, like years so here 's if I remember correctly, and you can correct my timeline because I probably <laughs> will be wrong um, we we, I remember we agreed to adopt, and I think we got all our paperwork and everything set up. We were um, approved to adopt up to two uh, by like September. Is that it started in September. September? Started in September. In we were approved in December, and then. And then in January, I think it was January 30th, if I, some right at the end of January, we met the mother who was picking us to adopt the twins. And then in February, we brought them home. So if you can imagine how quick of a process. Now, it took longer, obviously, to finalize the adoption. but But the fact that all of that happened so quickly, it was like... God's timing, even in that, was perfect. And, I mean, even when I think about God's calling, I, I think when God calls you to something, He's going to help make it happen the way it needs to. And and I just can look back and see how every piece just fell into place like it needed to. And that's one way, I think, to, on in hindsight, see God's calling. But also... Um, I think there's been many times along the way, too, where we felt called to something, and then God would either close a door, open a door, or lead us to something different. And so I think that's one way that we know, know God's calling, at least for us. Um, I can look at back on my childhood and everything else. Um, See, unlike Laura, I grew up in a home where I really wound up being raised by my grandmother. And so um, I didn't know what being a dad was even like. So that's probably one of the reasons why I was scared of the idea of being a dad because um, I didn't have one growing up. So uh, I just remember um, even that, God gave me a determination to be the kind of father that I never had and to be different and obviously to break that generational issue, as if you know about generational curses or have heard or talked about that. But I do believe God called me to that. I believe God called us together in even in college. And, you know, all along the way, he's kind of just shown us signs that helped us know that that was his will for us.
2: Yeah, and I think just trusting that God's timing is absolutely perfect. And we see that so much more in the rearview mirror than we can um, when we're looking forward. So for me, it's just being really open and trying to to listen, you know, and pay attention. Um, but God's timing has been always perfect as we look back and see. We can always see that what he called us to is exactly what was supposed to happen. But it's hard to, in the moment, remember that sometimes, you know, when it's not going the way you think it should. Yeah.
0: Sure. And uh, one of the things I, I, I hear come out of your story as you, as you share it is that you just kind of took it a step at a time. Whatever was in front of you at the moment, that's what you decided on. And um, we, we were talking this week, you know, we said if you 24 years, 24 years, right? 24 years ago, if we showed that picture of your family today, you would probably be like, how did that happen? <laughs> you know, because it's not what you would have envisioned for yourself or you would have pictured 24 years ago. But God, we don't get to where God wants us to be by having a picture 25 or 50 years down the road necessarily. It's, it's, uh, and often when we think of calling, we think of it being as this big thing that God is calling us to, this massive thing. And it could be, but I think more often than not, um, and I think this plays out in your story, is that it's little things. It's little steps along the way where God says, this is what I want you to do. And you say yes, even though you're scared to death. And you do it anyway, even though it doesn't make make any sense right now. You do it because this is what we think God wants us to do right now. And you take all those little steps and God kind of winds your path. Um, One of the things that you talked a good bit about was uh, uh, flexibility. Um, Being willing to adjust your plans when you feel like God's calling you to something other than what you thought. So, Talk, if you don't mind, just share a little bit about that, what he's taught you there.
2: I think that's one of the lessons that God is continuing to teach me. I mean, it's, it's been one of my biggest life lessons because I, I like things to be the way I want them to be. I like control very much. And so God, I feel like, is always trying to teach me something new about that, about letting go of control and being flexible and being open to um, what, what he has for me as opposed to what I think it should be um,
1: Yeah, and and when I think of that too, I remember when I graduated high school, I wanted to sing on Broadway. That was my dream. Don't judge, please. But uh, (laughs) that was my dream, that was my hope. (laughs) <laughs> but, uh God obviously had other plans, and I just remember not long after that, like I said, at nineteen I came to Christ, and I quickly knew that God was calling me to ministry i just didn 't know what that was, and even then I was like, "All right, well, God, what is it?" And I kept trying to figure out what it was, and music was a gift that God had given me, so I thought, all right, it must be music ministry, so I became a pastor in a church, as a music pastor, and you know that that very first church I served in um I walked through a very sad situation where the pastor left his wife for another woman and I had to, I was thrust into counseling and helping all these people try to figure out what do we do now? And, and it just really broke my heart for that. And God led me to say, you need a better training in this. You need to counsel, you need to help people. And, and so again, even, even in that, I believe there's a lot of curves. There's a lot of, uh, the, the road twists and turns, ways that we may not anticipate at the beginning. I think it's just always being open to say, all right, God, I don't want to lock you in a box. What's your plan? What do you want me to do? And I think, um, and I, I tell this to people all the time. I think sometimes we just need to say, God, if this is your will, then help make it happen. And I feel like a lot of people when it comes to calling and things like that, they're like, well, I don't know if God's calling me to do this, like to quit my job or to do this or whatever. And I always tell people, I'm like, look, maybe he's not calling you to quit your job. So maybe before you quit your job, start look, putting some resumes out <laughs> start looking to see, is there something else that you would like to do or rather do if, if it's a calling thing? And the same thing with whatever you're doing in life. I think, um, you know, God may have a plan that you're not willing to even consider because your mind is close to it. So I think just always be open to see what God might lead you to. That's been something that's been very, I think, helpful and effective for us.
0: Uh, you'd mentioned when we were when we were talking this week that one of the most important verses to you in Scripture is Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. And um, that's a very important verse to a lot of people. And, of course, it's a, it's a promise to the nation of Israel. And, you know, we need to understand it in context. But the principle is certainly true that God has plans for us. And it, that verse, you know, doesn't mean that everything's going to work out. And it doesn't mean that everything's going to work out the way we think it's going to work out. Um, but it does mean that God does have plans for us. And he does have hopes in, in, for us. And um, one of the things that's always struck me, and I was thinking about this after our conversation, uh, the verse, uh, God says, I know the plans I have for you. <laughs> not, you know the plans you have for you. <laughs> I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. And um, and so we have to be flexible and we have to follow that. And it's not always what we expect. It's not always what we want. It's not always what's easy. It's not always what makes sense. But uh, if we're faithful and we follow him, then what it is is beautiful and honoring to him. And so, um, I know you guys have been faithful to do that, and I just want to commend you in that in front of everybody. And I know you don't like to be the center of attention, so it probably makes you uncomfortable, but I'd, I want to do that. And um, one of the other things that we talked about that I think is a really important concept for us to think about is um, when we think of family, the first thing that often comes to mind is blood, is, is blood family. Um, but we've talked about family being a much bigger
1: concept than that. And so if you want to share a little bit about that with everyone. Yeah, I I remember um, years ago, probably even before we started foster care, we talked about adoption and and when we adopted. And um, I I just remember us talking about that's how we come to be a part of God's family is through adoption, you know. um, None of us are born into God's family. Um, We come by our faith in Christ. And and I just think it's such a great picture of what our family should be. And, and, And ultimately, as you said about blood, family is who you make your family to be. It it doesn't have to be blood and it doesn't have to be conventional. Um, You know, sometimes I think due to heartbreak and maybe even in, in rejection of family, you have to find other people to be your family. And family to me is, again, we, it's more than just family. It's friends. It's those you choose to surround yourself with, that's family. And I think, again, the definition of what family is, we limit it so much by our own thoughts and understanding of what it should be. And again, that flexibility comes into play with that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: that's good.
1: yeah I, I I think it's
0: an important concept. I think you're a great example of this for us. Is, And it's something that's important to us as a church because we talk all the time about being a church family. You know, church family is is really anybody that you choose to care for, even when you don't have to. And uh, that goes much wider and broader than than our blood family. And it may be that, but it may be bigger than that too. And um, so there's all kinds of people that could become a part of our family. And I think it's a beautiful picture because, as you said, Dennis, we are all adopted into God's family. And God's family is beautiful, and it's diverse, and there's all different kinds of people in it. And, and um, the fact that he chose us, it is powerful that, um, though Jesus Christ is the only begotten son of God, that we can all be adopted sons and daughters by his grace. And that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I think families who pursue adoption and, and, um, just put on display such a great example of what God does with us. And I think that's a really beautiful and incredible thing. In fact, the, um, The mission statement that we have as a church, know God, find hope, live free, do good, all comes out of Ephesians chapter 1 and 2. And at the beginning of Ephesians, that's one of the things that Paul says is that we are adopted as sons and daughters. So That's part of, that's us coming into the family of God together. And so when we display that same thing that God has done for us in our own families, that's honoring to him. That's a beautiful thing and it's honoring. And so uh, I just want to say to y'all that we're thankful for you. We're thankful. Uh, I know your family's thankful for you. We're, we're thankful that you're a part of our church. We're thankful that you're elders in our church. We're thankful that you set such an amazing example uh, for the families in our church. And so thank you for that. And thank you for sharing with us today. It's been encouraging and, and uh, hopefully challenging as well. And um, I, I just want to say if there's anybody here who is going through some of the things that they've been through or uh, has been through and is trying to deal with some of the things that you've discussed, Um, some things that maybe you touched on too that maybe you didn't even have time to go into detail on, Um, then I want to encourage you to to talk with Dennis and Laura. They're more than happy to to speak with you about these things. Um, They're going to kind of hang out right here after the service so that if you want to come up and talk to them right after the service, you can. That would be great, um, but they want to be a resource to you because they want to serve you uh, as their church family, so thank you very much. Can we just take a moment to thank them for sharing with us today? <laughs> all right, thanks, Laura. I know you were a little nervous. Laura's just uh, I just a little don't nervous. want
2: you know this to be about us, you know right, like I understand. God to God be the glory, right yep yeah,
1: that's
0: right yep yeah. yeah. all right, so let's take let's take a moment to pray together and uh and we'll be finished for today, all right. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much uh, for the love that you have for us, that uh, you cared enough for us to send your son when you didn't have to at just the right time. You sent Christ, and he showed us an example of what it looks like to live in complete fellowship with you. And so uh, we thank you for that. He willingly took him, went to the cross and gave his life on our behalf. And so we thank you for that right now knowing that he paid for our sin on the cross in our place and that when we put our faith in him for salvation, by your grace, we are saved, forgiven. We thank you that he went to the tomb and that on the third day he was raised again, proving power over sin and death. And that because of that, because of your grace, you allow us to be adopted as your children. So we thank you that you've done that in us. We thank you for everybody who takes that, takes that, attitude takes that character and applies it in their life in whatever way it may be. Today, we thank you for Dennis and Lauren, for their family, and how they have built and followed you and been faithful to you and plan to continue to be faithful to you. And we ask that you bless them and their children and their entire family. God, I pray for our our church right now and uh, everything we learn from them and everything that we may apply in our own life, recommitments we may make or decisions that we may make or encouragements that we may take away from this. And I ask, God, that through the Spirit, you would sink those things deeply down into our heart and into our mind and into our life so that we can be encouraged, so that we can grow, so that we can walk more closely with you, so that you will receive honor and glory as the result of our life and the things that we do to be faithful to you. And so, God, we take all of this that we've done today, the music and the prayers and the learning, and we take all of that and we commit it to you so that we can walk more closely with you and bring you honor and glory. We thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.